Welcome to this week's podcast of Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org. Hey, this week there's been, um, there's been a passage, Philippians chapter 4 has been on my heart, and so as we just begin, and you want to grab a Bible, we're going to be actually in um, Luke chapter 19. You can grab a Bible. But Paul says... In Philippians chapter 4, you whom I love, and this is my, my, my heart to you, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. Church, this is how we stand firm in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And therefore, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, hey, this week, let us think about such things. These are words that Paul gives us to encourage us that the God of peace who loves us and cares for us continues to be with us. And I want to say as a pastor, you are our joy and crown. That though we don't have a chance to be together physically, I think even right now, even if you're watching this on a Thursday or Wednesday, it doesn't matter because we have the Spirit with us. We are family together and we love you guys and we care for you. Today is the beginning of Holy Week. Palm Sunday marks the beginning of a week that leads into Easter and the celebration next Sunday. And this is going to be, you ready for this? An Easter unlike any Easter we have ever experienced, right? The traditions that we normally celebrate, the things that we normally do, the gatherings we normally have, I want to let you know right now, they're probably not going to happen this week. It's going to be different, which means we have to be intentional as we head into this week. Because for many of us, you know, maybe you gather on a Thursday or on a Friday, Good Friday. Certainly we're going to gather on Sunday morning normally in a traditional setting. But this week we're still at home. And so we want to take the time to be intentional this week. A few things I want to share with you. One is if you're not in a reading program, you want to get into Scripture, an important passage to read this week to think about is John chapter 14 all the way through 17. John chapter 14 through 17 are Jesus' departing words to us, but also his prayer for us. And so I want to encourage you this week to be reading through John 14 through 17. And then also, here's another idea. On Good Friday, which is this Friday, when the sun goes down, if you've never fasted before, and you don't only have to fast from food if you're worried about that. You can turn off media. You can just set down your phone, which is a radical statement today. And just simply take from Friday night when the sun goes down to when the sun is coming up on Easter morning to allow that time to take some things out of your schedule just simply to reflect on the Lord, what he has done for us, and the joy of Easter morning. And when we gather next week, I hope all of you are going to have your device. It's okay to have your device out during a service now. And we're going to text to each other, he is risen. And hopefully people respond back, he is risen 
indeed, because we want as much community as we possibly can. So I hope next week you'll join us live at 9 a.m. next Sunday morning. Though we're not physically together, I think just the sense of being unified live around this experience in God's word brings this community and celebration that what God has done through Christ, he's continuing to do, and he wants to renew us through this season. And so we're glad you've joined us. Hey, jump into Luke chapter 19, and we're looking at this, the, um, the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. I'm going to pick it up in verse 28. Luke chapter 19, verse 28. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as they had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, hey, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praising God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. So what is the story of Palm Sunday about? I wanna share three things this morning. And the first is in this story, we see that Jesus is the true king. And in being the true king, he is the humble servant king. And the final thing we want to discover as we look into this passage is what does it mean to meet Jesus as king? The first thing it reveals is that he is the true king. He is the king our lives were designed for. Again, jump back verse 37 and verse 38. It says, as he was drawing near, now he was coming near to Jerusalem, Already on the way down the Mount of Olives, this multitude of disciples began to rejoice, to praise God with a loud voice, saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, in some of the other stories in Matthew, it says, the people shouted, Hosanna. See, what's happening is this epic, triumphant moment, a moment that is capturing history as Jesus comes to the city of God, the city of Jerusalem, what the people are doing in Psalm 118 is they're quoting what the psalmist says about the coming king, the coming Messiah, who when he arrives, he's going to set everything right that sin has destroyed. See, in Psalm 118, the psalmist says, save us, we pray, O Lord. Those words, save us, those are the words, Hosanna. So when they say Hosanna, what they're saying is save now. Oh, Lord, we pray, give us success. And then he says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, this is an epic 
moment. The disciples are excited. Finally, Jesus is, is kind of coming out of his shell. See, for a while, in some of the Gospels, he would tell people, don't tell others who I am. And then suddenly, on this day, here he is, the King of Kings. He's receiving the praises of his people. He's saying, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the King. I'm coming to set things right. He's coming to rescue us from the things that essentially wreck life. Now, we love stories like this. We love stories of kings, some kings today, princes, they're celebrities. We love these kind of stories because it's the story of the rightful king who's been dethroned, but now he's coming back to his kingdom and the people are applauding. He's coming in triumphantly. You may remember, and I'm sure some of you know the story of the Lord of the Rings, where Aragorn comes back to his kingdom. And when he comes back to his kingdom, after all things had been set right, there is now peace, there is now shalom and flourishing in the land. You also see that same theme in the Lion King, when Simba comes back to Pride Rock, and as he is on his throne, the idea is that all things are made right, and the land begins once again to bring life. The story of Palm Sunday is the story of our rightful king, the king that we were created for, but we have lost for a time, has come back. The question is, will we once again welcome him as king in our lives? You see, this story is really as old as time itself. It's the story of the gospel, the story of the Bible, that God created us in his image. And see, in a lot of creation narratives in the ancient Near East, the stories would go like this. The gods would create human beings, but see, they created human beings so the human beings could serve them, could take care of them, could feed them. But see, that's not the story of the Bible. The Bible doesn't say simply that we were created to serve God. Rather, we were created to represent God. We were created in his image, which means we were to represent him in the way that his character flows and in his generosity to the world. But what happened was instead of worshiping God in our hearts, we dethroned God. And in dethroning the rightful king, we enthroned a whole bunch of stuff that's not going to love us back. We enthroned, I don't know, relationships. We enthrone finances. We, we put our career at the center of our lives. And instead of these things loving us, rather what happens, and certainly in a time of crisis, these are the things that start to punish us. See, in Romans chapter one, Paul, he, he captured it this way. He says, we exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And we worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. We enthroned created things rather than enthroning the creator. And because of it, here's what happens. The depths of our problems and the vulnerability we experience in life is directly tied to the vulnerability of the kings that we put at the center of our lives. And when you put something vulnerable at the center of your life like money, like a career, even good things like relationships, those things, when we fail them, they don't sacrifice for us. They don't love us. They don't tell us kind things. When we fail those kings, what they tend to do is they tend to crush us. Anything but God that we put at the center of our life, here's what you're gonna find. You're gonna find in times of trouble, you will be serving it. It will not be serving you. 
See, when Jesus comes as the rightful king into the city of Jerusalem, the people are saying, Hosanna, save now. Jesus comes in a unique way to demonstrate who he is. Because see, as the Bible begins to unfold this story that though we have dethroned God, God is one day going to come back. And there's this story, this prophecy that is found early on in Genesis chapter three, uh, verse 15. And it says that someone's coming, someone's coming. And when he comes, he's going to crush the head of the serpent. And though he will be wounded, though he will die, he is gonna set things right. And see the rest of the Bible whispers his name. On every page as we turn through the prophets, uh, through the story, it's telling us about who this king would be and how we would identify him. And see, it's on Palm Sunday, as the people are saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're saying, this is the one who's going to set right everything that sin and our rebellion against God has broken. The question is, what are you setting? What are you centering? What are you centering as the king of your heart? That's the first point. We're looking for a king. We all desire a king. But what kind of king is Jesus. What has he come to do? Well, that's where this story, if you look back in the text in verse 30 to 35, there's a lot of, there's a lot of description about a cult. Do you notice that? He talks about six verses about going and getting this cult and untying it and bringing it here. Why is so much time spent on a cult? Well, see, in part, what Jesus is doing is he's showing us who he is. And he's showing us he's come to be with us. He's not come to separate himself from us like a king that comes on a mighty steed that's distant from us with tanks and flags and and armies around them. Rather, Jesus comes in as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords, as the creator of the universe, and yet he comes in humbly, which means he is approachable and he is knowable. See, actually what's happening in this story is a fulfillment of those whispers we talked about in the Old Testament of this king who would come. It's a whisper that comes from Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine. And it says this, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, and here's the promise, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. But notice his character. How does he come? He comes in humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the full of a donkey. This is not an impressive way to enter a city. See, when a king was triumphant in battle, he would come in with his war horse. He would come in with with his tanks, with his power. He would say, I am setting up my regime and now it's your responsibility to obey me. See, the kings of the past, the kings of today, they come in, they establish their regime and authority and they come in and the idea is they're coming in for you to serve them. But see, who is this king that Jesus reveals? How is he gonna set things right? He uses his power not to bring judgment over us, but to bear our judgment upon himself. He comes in with power as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords, as the one arrayed and and glorious and mighty. And yet he uses his power to restore and to heal and not to condemn he comes in a way that says you can trust him. This is unlike any king, history, fiction, the world has ever seen. He comes in a way that says, come to me, you can approach him. 
I couldn't imagine the confusion the disciples had in this moment. Finally, Jesus is making himself known, letting the people know, I am the triumphant king. I'm the Messiah. I'm coming to rescue. I'm coming to rescue. And yet he comes in such humility and such approachability. It is a picture of God that the world could not imagine. We can trust him. We can trust him. And yet here's the challenge in that. As Jesus comes into this city, he did not bring the city what they expected. Often what's challenging when you truly worship God and not just a projection of yourself on God, that God doesn't often make sense and certainly not in times of crisis. God often doesn't make sense. And when we come to God, we often come to God with what we want. And God is always kind to respond with what we need. And as Jesus is coming to the city of Jerusalem, what the people want is they want the Romans pushed out. You know, they want their life back. They want normalcy. They want to experience life as it once was. And yet Jesus is not coming in to meet their, need, their, their wants. He's coming in to meet their needs. That God is going to give them exactly, exactly what they need if they knew everything that God knew. And see, I think that should give us comfort. Often I think our fear of having a king is that we have to submit, and that's true. If he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings, then his rule and reign means that we owe him and we need to submit to him. But when you trust that his character is good, that he is loving, that he is humble, and he comes in not to condemn, but to rescue and to save, this is the character of the God we trust today. This is the character of the king who allows us to go through experiences like this, but says, do not trust in your own ways, but rather trust in me. We can trust him. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords, but he's approachable. You know, it reminds me, there's a passage in uh, 1 John. It's been in my mind this week. And it says, dear friends, let us love one another. For love, and hear these words, it comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And this Palm Sunday, right? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. Why? To crush us? No, so that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son, the king, as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if this is how God loved us, shouldn't we also love one another? No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another like this king, God lives in us and his love is made manifest through us. Do you see the story? The story isn't just Jesus showing up and establishing his authority. His authority is established through not a throne, but through a cross. Not by bringing judgment upon us, but by bearing our judgment on himself so that in times of trouble, we can say, I can truly trust him. So what does it look like to dethrone the things in our life that are false kings and really to elevate Jesus as king. I think this passage just quickly shows us three things. It means, first of all, to know Jesus as king and really to know Jesus as God, we've got to worship him as king. The first thing we've got to learn to do is to set our affections, our mind, and our imagination on him. We've got to worship him. See, faith is not simply belief in abstract ideas about God. The essence of faith is worshiping God. The essence of faith is trusting God. We talked a few weeks ago in Psalm 27, David was anxious. 
He was afraid life was not the way that he hoped it would be. And, and he says in Psalm 27, verse 4, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And here's the idea, to gaze on his beauty and to seek him in his temple. David says, in a time of trouble, the one thing I've got to do, the one thing that's going to just dethrone the false kings in my life is worshiping the true king. If you want to find peace in a time of anxiety, you've got to allow Jesus to come in as the king. But here's the problem. When he comes as king, he's going to set up his kingdom, which means the second idea is to know him as king. We've got to worship him. We've got to set our mind, our affections, our devotion, our imagination on him. But secondly, we've got to be willing to obey him, to trust him. And as we said before, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he didn't fulfill the expectations of the people. That's why he's crucified. I mean, the people that celebrate him on that day of Palm Sunday by, by Good Friday and by Maundy Thursday, they're crucifying because he didn't live up to expectations. And here's the truth I know I experience in my life. God often doesn't live up to my expectations. And certainly in a time of trial, the things he asked me to do, I said, God, you know, that's not what I need. I need you to fix my finances. I need you to heal me. I need you to heal our land. I need you to heal our community. I need things to get back to normal. And yet here's what I find God saying to me in this time. Jason, I want to be with you. And I want you to learn how to be with me. The most important thing we can learn in this time, in this season, is what does it look like to put God as king in our lives. And we're gonna have a decision to make. You ready for this? In, in a month, I hope, maybe two months. I don't know, some people say three. I don't even wanna go there yet. Uh, you're gonna have to make some decisions. Some things have been pushed out of your life just simply naturally because of this crisis. You're gonna have to make decisions about the things you're gonna let back in. I'd encourage you to start making those decisions now. What are the things that we need to continue to push out? And even in this mandatory season of Lent, we need to start making choices to say, God, I wanna to start to obey you. I'm not gonna lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways, I wanna acknowledge you. And here's the last thing, we gotta worship him, obey him. But the idea is we gotta trust him. Because see, this is what our king says to us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle. Listen to his words. I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for this king's yoke is easy. His burden is light. Jesus has come in to raise our burdens off of us if we'll simply acknowledge him and worship him as king. I don't know what you've enthroned over your heart. I, I know there's been some in, in this time of crisis, I think some of the, the grossness of sin inside of us comes out. And this is a time just simply to repent and say, Jesus, Hosanna, over these false kings in my heart, would you save now? Blessed are you, Jesus, who comes in the name of the Lord, not to bring judgment over me, but to bear the judgment that I deserve. Hey, I wanna pray for you. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that your promise is if we come to you and acknowledge you're the king, we owe you everything, you've created us, and yet we, we dethroned you. We chose to worship created things. We chose to worship approval, comfort, power, control. 
And yet you came in Palm Sunday to say that you're still with us. You're coming near us. You're coming to forgive the brokenness of our lives. If we would simply say, Father, accept me on the basis of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Forgive me of my sin and rebellion. Forgive me of elevating false kings over my life that promise much, but in times of crisis, they deliver nothing. And Lord, this day, would we simply acknowledge, repent, believe, and trust that you are the true and living King. Thank you, Hosanna. Thank you for saving us. And Father, this week, would we be aware of the things we're trusting in that we might begin to remove them and more and more to worship, to obey you. Guide us this week, Father. Thank you that you've come as a humble servant king. In Jesus' name.